the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show as we head into our third hour. Delight to do so as we do most Mondays with Brandon Weikert. He is the author of several books, including Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, his most recent one, and The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy. He's a uh, senior editor at 1945.com, 1945.com, and he has uh, a great and active Twix at we the brandon how are you brandon i am well how are you oh i'm doing fine it's uh the weather's finally great here in phoenix so it's probably uh it's probably uh very much like what it is in florida on your better days it's 89 degrees and muggy here okay happy we, fall we don't have <laughs> yes very autumnal for florida yes okay i love this call you've got a lot of stuff up at uh, 1945 i love this one joe biden is in crisis and the left doesn't seem to care a failing economy a broken border and immigration crisis a war that could go nuclear at any moment perceptions of age-related cognitive decline, whispers of being replaced mid-campaign, an impeachment inquiry underway that could upend everything, the possible election year rematch with the previous president. This is not a David Balducci novel, huh? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, this is a, uh, a big problem for the Democrats, and uh, I'm not convinced that... Um, that that Biden's even going to be the nominee by the time uh, 2024 rolls around. I I'm with you and it's interesting. I have spent more and more time because a lot of my friends just want me to um, listening to Robert Kennedy. And I guess he's going to announce as an independent. That seems to be the collected wisdom right now. And remember, I was the first to say that months ago that he was. was, yes. Yes, I was about to say this is something you had called some time ago substantiating what is it i usually say about you if you want to know what the news will be in about three months listen to brandon weikert now something like that yes i'm ahead of my time as uh george carlin said unfortunately it's only by about half an hour but i'm still ahead <laughs> no you called this one a while ago yeah so I, and i and I, i've been listening more and more to him and i i was just trying to figure out does he draw more from trump or more from the democrats and i'll I'll give you my thesis, and you feel free to bat it around or or bat it down, swat it down. I don't think he takes much from Trump, and I'll tell you why. If you are a Republican who is resolute not to vote for Trump should he be the nominee, you're a pretty serious-thinking Republican, I think. You take this stuff extra seriously. You're really thinking hard about this vote. And Robert Kennedy just doesn't really stand for anything you stand for, A— and B, if it's, you know, what do you want to what, what, what's the kindest word I can use here? If it's if it's the if it's the erratic you don't like about Trump, you get it from Robert Kennedy, too. It's not a good, safe bet. But there's something about him that really doesn't attract a lot of Democrats. So here's who I think he gets, Brandon. It's not okay. a, it's maybe not a small portion. And maybe this explains his 10 to 15 percent. 
I think it's a lot of people during COVID who weren't that political but probably lean left, like restaurant owners in L.A. who were upset at what Gavin Newsom and the government did to their businesses. A lot of small business owners who tend to be lefty and aren't that political. I think he gets them, which probably deprives maybe from Republicans a little bit, but maybe more heavily from Democrats. I don't know Mm -hmm. how to think it through. How do you think it through? Um, I think that he this election, I mean, every election the last 20 years has been this way, but particularly now the 2020s elections, uh, the, these elections are being determined more and more at the margins. Yeah. And I think RFK is not going to take a substantial number of Democrats with him. I think he's going to take a percentage, however small, of not Republican voters generally, specifically those on-the-fence, kind of light-hearted MAGA people yeah. who like Trump, but and they're in the MAGA camp, but they're not the diehards. They are somewhere between traditional conservative voters and diehard MAGA voters, and that's a very small percentage, but it is enough to make a difference, especially when you consider how close this election is going to be. Donald Trump specifically needs to keep that 30 to 32 percent of MAGA voters with him, he needs to try to galvanize enough of the uh, ambivalent conservative voters, and then he needs to somehow be able to reach beyond that. And that's always been his problem. The last thing he needs to be doing is worrying about a margin of those MAGA voters going over to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. because RFK Jr. was anti-vax. Right. I I think that's a fair analysis. Uh, I think it's a really fair analysis. And, of course, it changes dramatically if Gavin Newsom is the nominee, um, which I mm-hmm. kind of think will happen. You're not so sure. I'm not sure what you're. I, I'm I'm on. The, you know, initially I thought for sure. And then I was like, I don't know. But now he's doing this minimum wage thing. You know, he says no. But with a guy with a guy like Newsom, no means yes. No means later on. But yes. And, um, you know, I saw I talked to some people who said it, he's gearing up for 28. But remember, Lyndon Johnson didn't drop out of the 68 uh, re-election campaign until March of 68. Right. So if we're going to go off that timeline, Biden's got many, many months to go. And, you know, we have this Senate seat in California. I know that he just filled it with the woman from Emily's list. But my understanding is that's not a permanent spot that, that he made it clear this is a temporary um, yeah. uh, nomination. Yeah. So he could always do the switcheroo and say, I'm going to put Kamala as the senator filling in for Feinstein. And then Biden steps down and Gavin Newsom uh, ascends to become the Democratic nominee in 2024. I just don't. I think Kamala is going to fight tooth and nail not to be demoted, though. I agree. I mean, like I said, I don't know if it's 24, but he's definitely, Newsom is definitely a wild card. You know, he's American psycho. Uh, So, you know, he's definitely a wild card here. and He definitely is not going to just be content to be governor of California. He has higher aspirations. um, And I think he's sort of like a backup quarterback, maybe even a third string quarterback. Um, But the point is, is that the, the, the Democratic bench is shifting, I think. Mm. Now, ultimately, maybe Biden remains the guy, but I don't think he's going to be there long enough to serve out a full term if he, you know, if he gets reelected. Um, and that's the key issue here. He's dealing with a lot. And even if it's Trump, who I think is the weakest Republican candidate to go up against Biden, 
even if it's Trump, Biden, like I said in that article that you referenced at the beginning, Biden's got so many things stacked against him. I don't know how he's going to walk out of this thing. Yeah. The problem is he's getting so bad. Um, You know, he was so bad six months ago. It's getting worse. It's not going to get better. See, I think I think a history book will be written in about 20 years. Uh, This is this is just a prediction of mine. Maybe 15 or 10 years. A history book will be written that says the Fox debate between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis was the game shifter because it alerted the Democratic Party that this is who they needed to nominate, and they not and they figured out a way to nominate him. I don't think the White House is upset that Gavin Newsom is doing it because he's some other Democratic governor. Uh, who would have cared if it were Megan Whitmer or, or the right. governor of New Jersey? I think they're upset about it because he is so much different by contrast in youth and well, energy and eloquence than Joe Biden. And he's got gumption. I mean, and he gumption. loves going to Fox News. Right. I right. mean, he. I mean, how many Republicans will go to MSNBC or CNN? Right. I mean, really, that was that was something that Trump did, yep. and that's what got Trump very famous. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very rare. And now, to be fair, CNN and MSNBC don't always want to put Republicans on unless yep. they're the gelded Republicans. Right. But you know, I mean, this is the problem: is that Newsom has no problem. Going on Fox and showing up, everybody and doing well and doing well. He does well. He does, he does well. well. That's the thing, and it begs a larger question because. And I'm going to take a break and come back to you sure. on this. It's a deeply problematic question in my own head, and I raise it with the audience a few times a week because people will say, "How can a guy of such a failed state run?" And my response is, "I don't know that people care anymore." I just think there is so much apathy about the facts. People live with their own set of facts. They believe what they want to believe. And I think people would prefer living a lie in too many cases than living the truth. Can I plumb that with you when we come back? It's kind of your opening paragraph. I mean, it is how can this country be dealing (laughs) with all this so pacifically, right? I mean, it's kind of a point. And you could have written three more paragraphs just like that. Brandon Weikert is my guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Leapson Show. Brandon J. Weikert is my guest, author of several books and a senior editor at 1945.com. 1945.com is the way it's spelled out, where he produces a lot. And uh, he is also on uh, Twix at We the Brandon, Twix being uh, Twitter and X, whatever you want to call it. That's what I came up with. Um, Brandon, so... The launching pad for this discussion was people saying, how can Gavin Newsom possibly carry the California story across the country? It's a story of death and grief and sorrow and murder. And I just don't think people care. I think people have their own facts. I think they live in their own truths. Uh, I think I just I don't know. It's a sad comment I'm making about the American electorate right now. And it makes politics extremely difficult but I think apathy really rules this country in a way like yeah. never before. I wonder what you yeah. think. I agree. And also you have to remember, because of the saturation of information, um, the days of October surprises, yeah. uh, the days of a truly independent voter, those are gone. And um, really, when you, get to the na- when you get to the national level of politics, it's really red versus blue, whose team you're on. And uh, it's really about 
um, no longer like an October surprise coming out and shifting the election overnight. That's done. What happens now is it's just about kind of milking the negatives of your opponent and reinforcing, reinforcing those negatives in the eyes of the electorate to eke out enough of a cleavage of a vote to put you over in that margin of, of error. Uh, and that's that's modern uh, national politics, which is why I said earlier, it's very dangerous that you now have multiple candidates running, not just Trump versus Biden, but you've got Cornell West. That's a threat to Biden. You've got RFK Jr., who's a threat most assuredly to uh, Donald Trump. The other thing you said was that these elections are increasingly decided on the margins by late decision makers and people who aren't paying attention probably right now and maybe isn't a fair and accurate reflection of what the polling is showing. Though it is interesting the polling is is so uniform. I would I, That's why I think it it's yeah. suspicious. It, you you, it, it's, you think yeah. it's suspicious because of the I, I I think that I, I would not be surprised if DeSantis is able to stay in the, the race and I think he's gonna win Iowa decisively. Um, I would not be surprised if suddenly DeSantis is neck and neck with uh, with Trump because voters are not really going to start caring until after Christmas. Okay, the first votes in the Republican primary, for instance, are not until Iowa, which is like January 14th of 2024. So all these polls are useless. Remember, the polls in 2008 at this point in the race had Giuliani 20 points ahead of all the other candidates. Fred Thompson was ahead of everybody at one point in 2008 on the Republican primary. So this idea that it's a slam dunk for Trump, um, and, or the same thing with Biden, that it's a slam dunk for Biden on the left, I mean, they're going to rig their primary. But this idea that the, the, the race is locked in now, I've never heard otherwise supposedly responsible pundits talking like this this early in an election. You cannot rely on these polls because people just are not plugged in the way they're going to be two and three weeks before actual voting takes place. It's something that if I if you're not right, if you're not right, Brandon, it's something unique about Donald Trump. It's kind yeah. of an, kind of an interesting article in The Washington Post today. Anti-Trump GOP group starts waving white flag. It's it's yeah. it's a group out of uh, the Club for Growth that uh, called Win It Back, and they have an internal memo all, memo. all attempts to undermine Trump's conservative credentials on specific issues were ineffective. There's something unique about Trump. I mean, the one thing he said, I'll I'll get it just off a little bit, I think, because it's not verbatim, but you'll know the quote I mean. The one thing he said that was eminently true was, you know, he could stand on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone. Yeah. It, it, it is an odd thing about him that, you know, nothing seems to shake loose his ardent support. And his ardent support is ample. Yeah. And it's so much so that he can say what he said this weekend where he said, of course, I couldn't get Mexico to pay for the wall. There was no legal yeah. mechanism. That will matter Disgusting. not at all. That will matter not at all to 35 percent of the Republican electorate at and all. And I think that. I think that also shows you how bad the electorate is. I mean, it's rank stupidity to fall for the lies that he's spewing. And that's what that is. And he's laughing. He's not laughing at the situation. He's laughing at people who believed him 
And by the way, I was the only one to outline how we could have done it at American Greatness. I wrote an article in 2016 about how we could actually have done it. And the Trump people didn't want to talk to me because, you know, the Trump White House knew everything. And, of course, that's why they didn't win their reelection. But, you know, I had a, I had a plan using remittances, taxing remittances and things like that, that we could have at least gotten a percentage of it repaid, but none of them wanted to hear from me. And I thought it was absolutely disgusting that Trump has such little respect for Republican voters that he's now laughing about having basically lied to a large portion of the country um, just to get elected. It's pathetic. It's it's it, it whatever the editorial around that is, what, whether it's and and there are a lot of people who say what you say and a lot of his former supporters who say what you say. You're a former supporter and Coulter is part of that camp as well. Um, there are others. Regardless of that editorialize, you know, that point of view, uh, it, it is it is it is still eminently true. It won't matter. And and this goes to my point i guess right, that i started sad. the call the segment with right. which yeah the segment with which is people live in the truth that they want donald trump is is in many ways a policy vessel that people pour their own views in they have a certain idea of what he is and it doesn't quite matter what he says they like him no matter what they kind of feel I know that yeah yeah, yeah they kind of it's feel like don't like yeah, well, I would put it this way. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to moderate you a little. <laughs> I'm just trying to moderate you a little bit. Don't By the way, ch- that's not. I'm not trying to put down the Trump voters because my parents. I was a Trump voter. Everybody in my family are Trump voters, so that's not a put down. All right. but it's just very, it's very frustrating. I understand because he lied. He uh, lied willingly just to get into the White House, and then what did he do while in the White House? He got run round in circles by the neocons he hired. And the, everybody told him, the, don't hire these people. The, 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 and he continued to yes, hire them. Okay, the problem is that anyone who tries to undo him with lies is going to fail because we live in a world of lies. Everyone has gotten used to lies. They live in their own I know worlds that. of I know truth. That. And and I think what the the the... The analysis, I'm going to take a break and let you respond on this side, on the other side of it. But the analysis I've kind of stumbled upon, I think I have a working theory of this, I think. Love your thoughts on it. Is a lot of people are hurting and a lot of people are frustrated. And sometimes it's economically, sometimes it's by their values and what's going on in the schools and some of the social issues. Uh, Sometimes it's the manipulation of the media. A lot of people are hurting. Some speak out, some don't. And they see Donald Trump being targeted by all those same institutions. And he's kind of their stand in. He's kind of they can relate to him at a level that they're going after him in the way they feel they, the elites, are going after themselves and the rest of the country. And I think that's why he still moves and has support. I'd love your thoughts on the other side of the break. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is my guest, author of several important, critically important books, really to understand so many of the key spots and hot spots. Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. Uh, Brandon, I guess you, you picked up my point. I think a lot of people who are hurting and feel abused by uh, the elites and the power elite um, see in Donald Trump the slings and arrows he's taking, the investigations, the media onslaught, the indictments, and he's kind of the 
he's kind of the representation of what they feel. He's kind of, if you will, a sacrificial lamb in in a certain respect for the kinds of things they feel are oppressing or about to oppress them. And that's that's just something unique to him that the other candidates don't have. And, oh, and I, I think agree. it explains some of his support. A lot of it. I com- I completely I completely agree with that assessment. The problem is is that he's not the best vessel anymore to achieve that which we need to achieve, which is a total top down, middle out, uh, you know, revolution against the administrative state. He's not going to be the guy to do it. He's just not. And he's proven that time and again because of those targeting that they're doing on him. They're very effective at it. They're very effective at it. And he doesn't make it any easier, Seth, because of his tweeting or whatever, his social media posts and all of the other things that he does that makes everything uh, much more complicated to defend him and makes him less effective um, as, um, as a, you know, a, a fighter. Uh, yes, of course, and 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 that's right. Uh, but it's still eminently true that you could show those you could show those tweets or those social media posts or those clips of statements to his supporters, and a lot of them won't have seen them, and a lot of them who have seen them and then do see them simply won't care. And I guess what I'm saying is. Um, I understand your point about early. I understand your point about the polling, but it's at least an even shot that he's the nominee. It's at least an even shot that he's going to be the nominee. I think it's higher than that, but you would grant me it's 50-50 at least, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Well, right now, if you're just going off the polls, then yes, 100% okay. he's right. going to be the nominee. Okay. But I'm telling you, these polls are not, they don't, I've never seen them this uniform. I've never seen them this, I mean, it, it's weird to me, and there's so much time between now and voting. Sure. I just can't imagine sure. there's that it's a lot. going to resolve. And who knows, yeah. I mean, he's in court all day today. Who knows what this stuff will will will, will change, exactly. if anything. If anything, and, and again, if anything, yes. who knows. Yes, but, and that's but, going to be but, another thing. But it is, yes, and here, yes, it's always something, as Gilda Radner said. It's always something. But the thing I guess I'm trying to wrap my head around for people who are more in your camp than 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 not is that if he is the nominee, we got to figure out a way to win this thing. Because I think, I given everything I you've posted but the about— But the way yeah. that, that his people are making blacklists, of people who even question. We may have lost you for a moment there, Brandon. Did we lose you there? We might have. We we, we might have lost you. Well, let me, uh, let me ask David to call you back. I'll finish, I'll finish the thought that I think, and I'll, I'll, I'll play both sides of it. I think what you're saying is, you know, many of his team are making it difficult uh, for other Republicans to get on board with him, whether I think you use the word blacklist. I'm not I'm not familiar with that particular point, but it's not unusual. And I've been a a part of presidential campaigns where the fighting is very bitter. I I, I guess I guess what I want to pick up with you on the way back is you have this fight going on amongst the presidential candidates and their staff and their and their ancillary advocates, surrogates, 
you have that going on. And then you have the leadership fight in the Congress. And the thing that is so frustrating to me, and I, I think not just me, I think the thing that is so frustrating, and we'll pick up your thoughts on this on the other side of the break, the thing that is so damn frustrating is that we're talking about a party that has in these fights differences in the 10% margins. You know, we're 90% agreement on most things, on most things, as opposed to a party over which we're 95 or more percent in opposition to. And we are spending so much damn energy taking down each other when if you could have a united field theory of at least reserving 80 percent of your ire for the Democrats, it seems to me we would be in much better stead come November regardless of the nominee. It's, it's, it's the bitterness within the party that I think is going to take us down more than anything else. I really do think that. I'd love your thoughts on that when we come back. Brandon Weikert is our guest. Brandon, sorry about the audio problems. I was, I was just making um, a quick point that I'd love your thoughts on, and I hope it's not too Pollyannish because you can't take politics out of politics. But when you look at what you were talking about, the Trump surrogates and the other candidate surrogates and the bitter infighting at the presidential level, and you look at the leadership fight in Congress, you know, it's, it's, it's disturbing to me and not just me that for a party that has differences that might amount to 5% over these things, over these arguments, um, to spend 90-plus percent of its time attacking one another against a, a party— when we're facing a party over which we have 95% disagreement that we're not talking about at all. This is a week that we should have been on offense against the House Democrats with the Jamal Bowman thing and everything else. The week will be dominated by news of an intra-party fight uh, over Boehner. Uh, Excuse me, Boehner, over McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it just seems to me, yes, I get it. These things are tough and we should have fights. But shouldn't... 80 or 90 percent of our energy be spent on taking down Democrats rather than each other? Well, Seth, and that's 100 percent. I agree. And that's why I have been very muted in my uh, criticism of the former president. But, um, you know, lately it has become increasingly difficult in this primary uh, for uh, me to remain quiet because I and others like me uh, have been targeted by the, you know, that part of the party as being enemies. And um, we have a right to defend ourselves, especially when you consider, especially when you consider that the the DeSantis people have not... uh, gone after uh, the Trump people as 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 nastily as the Trump people have gone up against uh, not just DeSantis, but his supporters and not just his surrogates of the media, but against actual DeSantis voters. It's pretty disgusting. Um, you know, DeSantis is the most effective governor of those people running right now in the GOP uh, primary. And he was an acolyte of the former president. And you would have thought that uh, at the very least, the that sort of that MAGA wing would have tried to insulate DeSantis, even if he did run, uh, from these kinds of vicious attacks, recognizing if, in fact, Trump is going to win in a landslide, the Republican nomination process, that at the very least, uh, DeSantis would have gotten some experience running at a national level and could be cultivated as the heir apparent still. But that's not the way it's gone. It's been very vicious. And you're right. And it, it, it's the it's that sort of 20 or so 
um, House Republicans who have decided to not talk about the debt or the spending problem in Washington, but they've decided to launch a quixotic attack on the speaker. Uh, and I'm not his biggest fan either, but uh, this is not the this is not the fight we should be having right now, and and we are unfortunately. You have uh, just a few minutes we have left because you're you're one of the few saying this, and I always pay attention to what you say. You know this. Well, thank you. You bet. Uh, you're one of the few who are saying, you know, Nikki Haley. If Trump is the nominee, Nikki Haley would be his best, or it would be his likely pick. Right. And yeah. um, do do you think it's Nikki Haley over Tim Scott, and is she more valuable electorally than Tim Scott? So if if Trump is the nominee. To have to do is he's going to have to get at least a small percentage more than he has of the women vote. Right. Um, so Tim Scott doesn't help him there. That's right. um, but he, what's going to happen is DeSantis is going to blow Trump out of the water in Iowa. Then New Hampshire is going to hit, and Nikki Haley's probably going to win that. And then that's going to set up for South Carolina. And what South Carolina is going to be, it's going to be the Waterloo yeah. of the DeSantis, Trump, and Haley campaigns. And what Trump is probably going to do is he's going to do a backroom deal where he basically secures Haley as his vice president. She'll swing South Carolina for him, and then that'll kill the DeSantis campaign. It is true that, I, I mean, I think you landed where I landed on the on the notion that he needs, he he really does need a female vice presidential candidate, as long as we're choice. talking in crude, in, in crude firsts here. He really does. It, the Republican Party has more of a woman problem that can be solved than it yeah. does a black uh, voter problem that can be solved. Problems in both constituencies, but the black voter problem is far more ingrained and far, far more difficult to fix in one election, I think. I think you're right. I okay. think that's 100 percent correct. I just think that he's going to pick her because he needs South Carolina. And, and he has a working relationship yeah. with her. Yeah. And he has a tendency to hand over his administration to uh, people who hate him. So the charitable way, the other side of that coin <laughs> would be to put it that he uh, likes to uh, take on someone and bring them in the fold to uh, kind of to kind of beat them to say, I beat you, but now you're my number two, or now you're working for me, no matter how many bad yeah. things you said about me. <laughs> that's, we'll see. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's a very nice way, that's a nice way of saying that he, he, he can be easily manipulated. It's well, all about, uh, well, you know. well or, it's, or, or, or it's his way of bigfooting these people. You know, I won, well, and you're, you're going to work for me. Ramroded by them. Mm. I mean, I never forget what Dan Crenshaw told me. He told he was gloating about the fact that he got Trump to pull back his promise to remove troops from Syria. And how did he do that? As he said, it, Trump has a uh, ego the size of Jupiter, and he just stroked it for two hours in the yellow Oval Office, and that's how he got Trump to abandon one of his campaign promises in uh, 2016. And that's just the way it rolls. Okay. All right. I mean, listen, it, we're gonna we're gonna have a long a long several weeks of this stuff and that new york trial might i mean i don't know what's going to happen there and no one no one knows what's going to happen there but it it uh, i'll tell you i was a little surprised to see he's sitting in court all day long and if that is going to be the strategy uh legal or otherwise boy that's going to be a, that's going to have a big effect on the on the political campaigning well seth he's already spending all of his campaign cash on these, these ridiculous trials so i think it's over i mean i don't know how he's going to be able to compete in the general election if he's the nominee well they may have to i mean they may have to figure out some kind of way to delay and and i think it's i think it's frankly a sin that he has been uh been 
put through trials in the middle of a political campaign like this. Well, that, that is true. I agree. I agree with you. And I think a lot of this is trumped up to use the term. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of these were actions that he took, irresponsible actions like moving classified documents and whatever. And, um, you know, now they're going to use that to hang it around his neck and um, he's going to spend the whole time, you know, shooting at these these legal issues when he should be focused on a campaign. You had something very I think it was you. You had something very funny about one of his lawyers today. Was it you or did you repost? It? Probably. I'm not a big fan of her. Yeah. 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 She screwed this one up. Didn't <laughs> she's she? very she's not the very best people <laughs> that I think your your tweet was something about that. Yeah. Your yeah. Twix was something about that. She, yeah. I mean, the reason he doesn't have a jury she's is terrible. because of her. Yeah. But that's Brent, just another example of Trump's horrible personnel picks. I mean, he's just he's horrible. Brandon Weikert. <laughs> I'm trying. Have a good one, sir. <laughs> you just throw, throw that grenade in the room and walk away and leave me all alone here. All right. Till next Monday, brother. I love you. Portions of the show are brought to you by our good friends at Y Refi. They're headquartered here locally. Uh, they're involved in the community. You can visit them. Their offices are on Scottsdale Road in the 101. You won't get a sales pitch. They leave that to me. They offer an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return. And if you're worried about such things as the volatility of the stock market, possible refe- re- recession, inflation, uh, the portfolio is not correlated. The investment is not correlated to the stock market or the Fed, and it is an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, and there's no penalty if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, which is a due diligence-approved firm. And as I say, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. That's right, a ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI24. That's 888-YREFI24. I know what my emails will look like tonight. <laughs> I know what some of the calls will be like tomorrow. Um, and I, I, I think it's still important to hear uh, Brandon's position on these things, though uh, we disagree. I think it's important for a couple of reasons. One, we we, we do need to be always prepared um, for the eventuality that he could be right. He and I have different views of the polls. Uh, he and I have different views of Donald Trump's ability to win a general election. He and I have different views on the intramural or intraparty attacking uh, yes, it's very bitter uh, between the surrogates right now, and it's going to have to it's going to have to calm down. More people are spending more time researching oppo information, data, and history about their opponents in the Republican Party than they are the Democrats. And yes, again, I am not naive about this. I have been part of a many campaigns, including at the presidential level. And it's important that you do distinguish yourself, and it is important that you do show the negatives of your opponents. But the level of heat should not be white hot. The white hot should be reserved for the Democrats. The white hot heat that this country has been put through by the Democrats is what should be exposed and where the time should be spent, or at least 80 percent of the time. We have the equation, like so many of our priorities, reversed. We're spending 80% or too many are spending 80% of their time attacking fellow Republicans and 20% of their time affecting the 
socialists of the Democratic Party when it should be exactly the opposite, exactly the opposite. Um, as far as uh, uh, Ron De- uh, the scenario of Ron DeSantis winning uh, Iowa, Nikki, Ham- Nikki Haley winning New Hampshire, and then South Carolina becoming the determining point, it's an interesting scenario. We'll write it down. I see nothing right now that shows me that Donald Trump's polling in Iowa is inaccurate. I see nothing that shows me that. Um, I do understand that people aren't paying attention in a lot of the polling, but it's never been true of Iowa. Iowa is a very retail political, a politically retail state, and people do know what's going on there. Well, we'll all see. Okay, until tomorrow. David, thank you. Bill, thank you. God bless you all. Class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.